Hello, this is Jeff from the future. This episode was recorded in 2020 as part of an original attempt at a music review podcast. The original idea was to discuss new music as it was being released, but 2020 being what it was, brought quite a few album postponements and other complications. So this series continued through 2020 and into 2021. We are now here in 2022 at the time I am recording this. So what you are about to listen to is not the Sound Judgment podcast, but an early iteration. Also, being that it was recorded more than two years ago now, some of our thoughts and opinions may have changed, considering that we are, in fact, people who are continuously trying to learn and better ourselves. Enjoy the show. All right, Jeff, how are you feeling today? Is that is that a serious question? Jeff, how are you feeling today? I'm, I'm, I'm fine, Chris. How are you, are you? I'm okay. Are you ready for your pre-show guided meditation session? My, my pre-show guided meditation session? Yeah, the guided meditation session we do before we record every episode, Jeff. <laughs> I'm ready. All right, close your eyes. Uh, they're close because my my face is in my hand right now. All right, imagine that you're outside in your favorite chair. Imagine the sun in your face. Imagine the wind in your hair. Imagine having hair. Imagine having a reds in one hand and an angry orchard in the other. That's right, buddy. We're having a relaxed episode. We're not going to challenge anyone. We're just going to catch up on a few albums we want to talk about. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. Good. You just you stay relaxed. And I'm gonna do. I'm gonna sing you a song. I'm gonna do an intro that won't cause you any stress or anxiety. Okay. Okay. Welcome back to the Scarborough Cast. All Scarborough, <laughs> all of the time. I hate this. Hi, I'm Chris. And I'm Jeff, and this is the New Music Challenge podcast. Every week, we're going to challenge each other to listen to some new albums from this year. But not just any new releases. We're trying to take each other out of our comfort zones as much as we can. So whether you want to hear a metalhead discuss the newest pop release, or a pretentious wannabe blues musician review the hardest new metal album, this is the show for you. Oh, uh, is that what we're doing now? Well, okay, I know I'm no bard, but listen. Do you hear that? I... Do you... Shh, wait. We're doing guided meditation, do you hear that? That's an acoustic guitar. Do you hear that angelic voice? Could it be? Is that is that Ninja Sex Party Under the Covers Volume 4? No, wait, no, it's not. It's Dan Avedon and the Super Guitar Brothers with a self-titled covers album. Did you know that when it snows, my eyes become large and the light that you shine can be seen? Baby! Is this is this your favorite or least favorite episode so far? I'm having fl- oh, okay. This is really bad. I'm having flashbacks to college. Did I tell you that I took a course that was almost entirely centered around guided meditation? Oh yeah. Is that I spent half a semester talking and studying and doing guided meditations. <laughs> Let me tell you how good at them I am. Uh-huh. I laugh. 
every time. <laughs> How am I doing so far? And the professor would just like we'd like discuss afterwards, like what the experience was like, you know, why certain things do or don't work, and then she'd look at me and see she would say, Jeff, what uh what happened? And I would say, Well, Laurie, when we were walking through the forest on our way to the stream and we approached that giant tree. Um, my giant tree had a face and it was talking to me and I missed everything else you said because I was still <laughs> This is a true story. This is this is how my guided med- my first guided meditation went. That was sounds... I, uh, the Great Deku Tree from Ocarina of Time and it went on for like 15 more minutes and I just could not handle the fact that I'm literally lying on the floor in this room laughing to myself going, why did my brain do this? Why is this where my brain took me? To the Great Deku Tree. So when you say Great Deku Tree, are we talking like N64 Great Deku Tree or are we talking about like the female one from from A Link to the Past? I'm talking like the super ugly one from the N64 Ocarina of Time. Oh, okay. Alright. Doofy one that speaks in like pseudo old English. Excellent. Okay. So, um, not under the covers volume four by, by Dan Avedon and the Super Guitar Brothers. Yeah. Okay. I actually just realized that like, I guess it is a self-titled album. I here I'm thinking like, Oh, I didn't write down the name of the album. Oh, it's self-titled. Yeah, no, it's um, self-titled. Okay. Just for a second, just to cap in case anyone listens to this who doesn't have a clue who we're talking about here. Uh, Dan Avedon is a singer mostly known for a group called Ninja Sex Party. They are a comedy band who are also, they also do a lot of cover albums, mostly of like 80s pop and rock songs. Three and so far. Super, yeah, they have, they have three cover albums so far. Um, the Super Guitar Brothers, or Bros, I'm sorry, are two guys on YouTube originally. They're two acoustic guitar players who, for the most part, do guitar duo arrangements of video game music. They are legitimately really phenomenal, actually. I love them. And this is a collaboration of Dan Avidan and the Super Guitar Brothers. So it's, it's this whole album is basically two guitars and a singer. Obviously, there's other stuff mixed in there too, but the primary, you know, the foundation of this album is two guitars and a singer. Yeah, and I'm not yeah. sure. I'm not sure if Danny is the hardest working man on the internet, but uh, he definitely deserves some credit because that guy's put out an album almost yearly between Ninja Sex Party and his other group Starbomb, while still co-hosting for. Um, the internet let's play show game grumps as well as other shows that they do on the side on that channel. Um, like he missed releasing something in 2012, but then put out two in 2013. So like seven comedy albums and four cover albums in, in so many years. His, his output is genuinely pretty impressive actually. Yeah. I mean, when you look at it that way. Yeah. Um, and because you already brought it up, uh, let's just, let's just, let's just hit the elephant in the room with uh, with a 2 by 4 um, yes one of the songs on here is Scarborough Fair which it wasn't that long ago that I was complaining that I am sick of covers of that song but but let me let me let me, let me throw it in the butt here <laughs> just like the cover albums by Ninja Sex Party Dan is definitely into uh like, doing songs that people know. Like, the whole point is, like, oh, I want everyone to enjoy this. Mm-hmm. So, every song on here, like, these were all, these were all, like, hit songs. Most people probably know most of them. 
the Ninja Sex Party cover albums are all, again, like I said, they're mostly 80s pop and rock songs that people know. There's not deep cuts here. We're, we're going for the big stuff. So it reminds me a lot of, I have a friend who back in like 2007, 8, you know, when everyone had an iPod still, basically, mm-hmm. you know, when everyone's iPod and or, or their MP3 player of what other sort was like full of like, oh, you've never heard of these guys. Oh, this is really cool. Oh, check this out. His iPod was literally just like a party mix. It was hundreds of songs that everybody knew. And that's kind of, I think, what Dan's going for. These are all songs that he wants people to know. He wants people to sing along and recognize it immediately. Yeah, I mean, all of these are all of these are either things that I know or my mom knows because um, Nights in White Satin is getting a little more obscure, I think. But that's my mom's fucking jam. Beauty I'd always missed These eyes before Just what the truth is I can't say anymore Cause I love you Literally, my note is just the fact that that is one of the greatest songs ever written. I, I, I mean, a... I mean, I know it because of my mom, but, but I... like, also, I didn't know it until I was like <clears throat> mid-teens because my mom was like, "Do oh, you that. know this song?" I was gonna say, I think I was probably late high school, if not college, when I first heard it, though. Mm-hmm. But uh, Scarborough Fair, like, it does fit on this album. It is incredibly appropriate. It is a song most people know. That being said, I think it is one of the weaker tracks on this album. Partly just because I'm so sick of that song. Partly because it is just the... It's just the the Simon and Garfunkel arrangement. Mm-hmm. Whereas some of these, which I do want to cover a couple specifically, like the arrangement are what really get me. Right. Um, other all-encompassing notes or do you want to like do, or can we go to a couple specific songs here? oh yeah i mean we can just we can just jump right in okay it opens with kiss from a rose which i so fans of the let's play channel the game grumps know and have been asking for for forever it seems in a couple episodes dan and the co-host aaron sang kiss from a rose not particularly well, mind you. Aaron is not a great singer by any stretch. But it's kind of a fan favorite thing, and I was really genuinely hoping that this album would have Aaron also singing it. If he is one of the backing vocals, maybe that, that doesn't... I, I don't know. I don't believe so. I don't hear his voice. Uh, but I'm really sad that this doesn't act... that this isn't a duet with Danny and Aaron singing it. That's what I wanted it to be. That being said... I think this is a solid cover. It's really typical for, for Danny's style. He has such a clean such a clean and smooth voice. It works really well. I have to say I'm a little sad, though, because there's nothing special about this recording of it. I mean, yeah, it's, it's Kiss from a Rose kind of just transposed to acoustic guitar. Having said that, I kind of prefer it because, okay... So with all of the all of the NSP albums, um, and Sex Party albums, and with this, you know, there's there's there are songs that I don't like the original that he'll just kind of sell me on. Like I already like Black Hole Sun, so I don't need the definitive version of Black Hole Sun, even though this one's very good. 
But I was never into Kiss from a Rose. I always thought the original was, like, fine, but, like, it was as corny as Batman Returns. And I kind of like this stripped-down version. Okay. I was actually wondering if you were going to say that or not, because have you heard the acoustic version that Seal recorded of this song? No. Because that, if you ask me, is, like, the definitive version of this song. It is slightly rearranged. It's in a different key. It is so good. And this version, the the Dan Avedan and Super Guitar Rose version, is just a pretty straight but stripped down cover of the original recording. You're going to have to look up the the acoustic Seal recording. It is absolutely phenomenal. I will have to. Because I think Seal's Um, a good singer. I just, like, I think the original one is kind of overdone. It's very cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, you also actually mentioned Black Hole Sun, so I might as well get that out of the way. I I saw that I saw that this was on the track listing and I was really nervous about this. Um because I mean like I said, Dan has like a really smooth and clean voice, and that sometimes doesn't really do it for me. I don't particularly like hearing him sing edgier rock songs because I don't think his voice carries it well. Mm-hmm. I've never heard him put any like grit or vocal compression on his voice. So I was nervous about hearing this song, which I'm so used to hearing either obviously Chris Cornell or Chris Cornell impersonators singing this song. Yeah, adding that least, adding that edge or, to the highs. Yeah. Or at least it's like someone with a more of a rock edge. This worked really well though. Yeah. I, I think it was uh, uh, it's a much more mellow recording again because it's primarily two acoustic guitars that was this was really well done Won't you come? but dare i say i actually don't really care for the song at all uh i mean black hole sun <laughs> is not one, is not like my favorite soundgarden song but it is one of the ones that like i knew when i first checked out super unknown so like I mean, I I have, um, you know, several personal stories about Black Hole Sun, you know, just from, like, me enjoying it on the radio to being smacked upside the head by my sister every time the music video was on MTV. Um, <laughs> so every time Danny hits the high notes, I wince a little, so that's fun. But it, not from his voice, just because I'm anticipating the blow. Yeah, no, I understand that. Um, no, and I did it. And again, this is going back to Danny's obviously picking songs that are intentionally for like it's so people know it. Like that's the whole yeah, point. Yeah. Oh, but uh, what I was gonna say is I think I think him stripping the song down um, really worked in in his voice's favor. Yeah. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. But hearing this version so stripped down and with his voice being so much clearer, it reminded me that this is. The reason I don't love this song is lyrically, it's one of the ones that kind of made me go like, yeah, we get it. You guys were on drugs. Like, I understand. Uh, I know I'm in, I believe at least I know I'm in a minority here that Chris Cornell's solo work was his best work by far. Like, not even up for debate, if you ask me. So really hearing the lyrics in this song, I'm just constantly, like, not cringing, but going just like, I I don't get it. I really don't get it. If people are into this, that's awesome, but I'm not. I mean, yeah, I mean, it depends on the song. Black Hole Sun isn't deep poetry, but... 
there are definitely Soundgarden songs that I think lyrically are phenomenal. This is just not one of them. This is one of the ones that comes off to me as just kind of almost gibberish. Okay. Um. So Jesus it, Christ pose a... for for uh under the covers six. I uh, I do not ever want. To I don't. Do I, no, you're right. That's. I mean, that's a jest. Okay. Now that being said, hold on. Just to go off on a slight tangent here. Um. Ninja Sex Party did cover Don't Fear the Reaper. Not that that song has like really gritty vocals, but the way they, they really did a real mellow arrangement of it. Mm-hmm. I would be okay with a total rearrangement of a song like Jesus Christ Pose or like Outshined or Rusty Cage without the grit in the voice. But if you keep the music the same and you have a voice like Danny's, it's just gonna sound bad. Yeah. Um, I mean, again, like, again, I mean, I, I'm certainly not ripping on him. I absolutely adore, I absolutely adore Danny in almost everything he's ever done. But their cover of Pour Some Sugar on Me. Yeah. He just, he doesn't have the voice for it. At least I don't think so. I don't think it's a good cover at all. But you know what I think is a great cover, Chris? Mm-hmm. Their cover of I Still Haven't Found What I'm Looking For. I actually really like that one. But I still haven't found what I'm looking for. But I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Oh my god, um, that was very good. I actually love this song. Oh yeah, I haven't. I probably haven't listened to this song in maybe ten years. And hearing this version just reminded me like how good this song actually is and I'm not a huge U2 fan you know I own a, I own a couple albums like a lot of people do and I also was very annoyed that they force fed us that one album if you had I- oh god yeah but um but this was a really cool one not just because Danny's voice I think is beautiful for it mm-hmm. the arrangement I think this is the first track where the super guitar bros really kind of like shown through uh, the Edge, the guitar player from U2. Uh, again, I'm not a huge U2 fan, but when this song came out, he was doing the things with delay effects that were unheard of, just like creating absolute soundscapes mm-hmm. just by playing these like fairly simple repeated note patterns, but with multiple delays on them, and it would just kind of like build an echo. And the way the Super Guitar Bros really strip that down, but kind of emulate that without all of the extra effects. Oh, it's so good. It's so cool. It genuinely might be my favorite song on this album, and it really reminded me that U2 has exactly one album that I like. I'm not going to agree with that because I'm going to say they have three albums that I really like and then a few more songs, but I I get what you mean. Um, You can give me the other two and maybe I'll give them a try sometime, but having, having poked through their discography a little, I really only connected with the one. I mean, surprisingly enough, one of like one of the albums of theirs that I really like is not one of the ones from the '80s. It's actually one of their more recent albums. But we can talk about that some other time. I just know a lot of people give me crap. Do you have any what, other specific one of the, thoughts on? Songs? Well, one of the one of the other ones that um kind of kind of flipped me on the song that I didn't really care for was uh, "Get Lucky." I don't really have any notes for that, but uh, good job on selling me on a song that I didn't really care for. Um, oh, I love. I kind of figured you I would. I kind of figured you would. <laughs> I, 
I, I was I was like waiting for you to tell me that you love that song, and it's just I don't know. It, I do. Uh, I think the version's super fun. I oh, their version is a lot of fun, but I just I don't know. The original just never really. I didn't. I, I didn't really uh, think of it beyond it being a song that was on the radio every once in a while. It was fun. Yeah, um, I mean, it's, that's definitely a little more up my alley than yours. I think. Okay, I do. I do have. I do have a complaint. Um, why is What's Head that? Over Heels instrumental? I didn't come here for Tears for Fears instrumentals. I came here to can be I, alone and talk about the weather. Can I can I read my notes? Go ahead. I'm going to read this word for word. <laughs> Head over heels. Hyphen. Instrumental. Hit caps lock. I'm really sad this wasn't a vocal cover. I would have cried listening to Dan's. I know. I wanted to be alone with him and talk about the weather and the fact that the synth player in the original video kind of looks like Dave Coulier. Oh, God. But no, I mean, seriously, that actually is, like, that's so frustrating because I think this would have been another, like, perfect song. And it, musically, they did such a cool job with it. I just would have loved to hear Dan's voice. And I would have loved to hear the lyrics. I mean, the lyrics, I think, on this song are huge. Mm-hmm. I'm rating the lyrics right now, but I think that's part of what makes this song this song. Mm-hmm. Were there any other songs you thought were weak? Any other songs I thought were weak? Yeah. Um. Okay, so I don't like the song Land of Confusion, period. Mm-hmm. ever it's a totally fine song i think it's one of the weaker tracks on here but i i admit that that's fully because i just don't like the song yeah. also i don't know the song's aspirations or the sphere and i don't feel like i'm missing anything not knowing them well the sphere is is a very short one right oh yeah yeah it's only like a minute long yeah isn't it? yeah yeah, so <clears throat> it's just called the fear kind of dream. I was like, I don't, I don't know what this is, and I don't care. Yeah, I believe that's um, that's Rush. That's that's Dan having to uh, insert Rush into he, into everything he does. He does love his Rush, man. Yeah. Um, and aspirations. I I meant to look up. Do you know what this song is, or who did this originally, or or anything? Um, I believe it's another one of those songs that he mentioned on Game Grumps that he that has turned into him doing a cover. I, I remember looking it up when I was looking through the track list and not really knowing the band. Oh, I mean, that makes sense. Okay. Uh, it's, just, it's another, like, well, my fans know this song because of me kind of deal. Yeah. Uh, Gentle Giant is the band. Okay, I, I have no I, clue what that is. I listened to the original. sounds very, very, like, 70s prog rock, um, which makes that sense. Right yeah, that's perfect. Yeah. yeah. Um. But yeah, I'm going to kind of agree with you on Land of Confusion. Uh, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say my favorite version is actually the Disturbed version. I was actually going to ask. I thought you really liked their version. I don't... Like, I've definitely heard it. I don't know. Yeah, Phil, Phil Collins' original was fine. Um, Genesis is okay if I'm in the mood for them. Um, but that's, like, across the board with Genesis. Like, I, I don't frequently seek out Genesis, but every once in a while, you know, a couple songs is fine. This is totally fine at best and yeah. unbearably boring at worst. But um, I take I, it back. They have you know they have that one song. I'm not specifying which one I'm referring to. I'll let anyone else decide that for me. So I can't dance. We all know that. Again, I'm going to let anyone else fill that in for me. I'm not going to tell you what the one Genesis song that I really like is. I'm going to tell you it's I can't dance. I don't even know I can't dance. Uh, Snot Arctica did a cover of it. I can't dance. Can't talk. I'm gonna be 100 percent honest with you. That is one of the Sonata Arctica songs that I actually routinely skip over. Like, I don't even know their cover. It's right. It. It's right at the end of the re-release of Ecliptica. 
I know, which is also why it's so easy for me to skip over it. Yeah, because you can just listen to the original Clitica. Yeah. Um, I'm kind of picking on, like, a not great song, but that's fine. Yeah, I gotcha. Um, okay, so the only, other, the only other track on here that I actually really want to touch on specifically is God Only Knows. Mm-hmm. So, uh, first off, um, I'm going to say it again. Brian Wilson is a genius. Yeah. I have said it before on the podcast. I will probably say it many more times. And I will Brian also Wilson. say that he found Charles Manson again. Yes. Yes, he did. But he is absolutely a genius. Throwback but, to E1. This is a song that will always bother me. I feel like it was written in the wrong key for almost anybody. The melody sits right in, like, the vocal break for most, like, normal tenor singers. So it forces them to jump into their falsetto at different points in the melody, Mm -hmm. but never, like, at the same point. So it, I, it almost sounds like, no matter who is singing this, it sounds like they're straining to sing it. Because suddenly you hear them flip up under their falsetto at different times, depending on who it is. And I swear to God, it sounds like this song was just written, and they picked a key, and then said, screw it, this is the key you're singing it in. Well, he was doing drugs with Charlie Manson, so who knows what kind so of composition bad. he was writing there. It just feels so unnatural, and I would have loved, like, I would have, like, the original version, I admit, years ago, I actually put into Audacity and lowered a few keys just to be like, I wonder if I'd like this more, and just thinking, like, I want to find somebody who recorded this in a different key. Um, I don't think I ever have. I think almost every recording I've ever found has been in the original key, and it always bothers me because it's always sung by people who can't, again, they have to flip in their falsetto at some point, and it just sounds so wrong. Otherwise, I think this is a beautiful song, and I just had to—I had to comment that it bothers me, and I had to just remind everyone that Brian Wilson's a genius. Did you enjoy it better when you when you knocked it down a few octaves? So I no, not a few octaves. Um, I knocked it down a couple keys. Okay, a couple a few, keys. But so, like, I mean, obviously, that's not changing like the singers. So, like, in the recording, even though it's—I'm hearing it lower, I'm still hearing the like falsetto flip. Like, I'm still hearing the break in the voice. But I was doing it just sort of, like, for myself. Like, I'm going to sing along to this now and see if this is more comfortable. Oh, I wonder if someone else has done this. It just made me think, like, oh, I might really like this. That's not a thing you've ever done, is it? I'm assuming you've probably never edited songs to be in different keys just out of curiosity. Um, I feel like I have, but I can't tell you what they were. You want to know what another one was that just... For some reason, I'm just like, I really want to hear this in a different key. But I also I also think they're the kind of things where um, <clears throat> I knew that the recording had been, like, pitch corrected or speed changed or something like that. Like, something had happened, uh, something had happened that, like, this was their final artistic vision was to change the pitch or, or like, the thing in the studio. And I wanted to hear, uh, like, the original uh, version. No, or, I mean, yeah, no, no, no. This is, I'm talking, like, I took... Blind Guardian's cover of Dream a Little Dream of Me and change the key just because I think it sounds better in a slightly lower key. <laughs> hey man, whatever but, makes you happy. Okay, I kind of figured this might just be a me thing. What do I know? This might um, be like one of your weird music major things. Yeah, this is definitely one of my like, I have a problem things. That's totally <laughs> So overall, okay, overall, I really love this album. I'm not going to go back and listen to every track because there's some tracks I couldn't care less about, but, you know, I've already put Get Lucky on a few different playlists. It's fine. You can hate it as much as you want. 
I'm gonna give this um, an under the covers four out of five. All right, well said. I like it. Cool. All right, all right, Jeff. It looks like Danny has to go write some songs about boners now. But I don't think we've heard the last of him this year, okay? Are we relaxing again? Okay. Your eyes, are, clo- your eyes are closed? You're on, a, you're on a boat now. Can you smell... I'm in a boat? You're, you're on a boat. Can you smell the ocean air? Can you... Sure. Okay, well, that's weird, because I'm broke, so we're on a trash barge. Can you smell the garbage? <laughs> Where is this going? All right. Can you feel the boat sway with the ocean? Can you Can you hear the... Is that, is that a dolphin? No, it's Fiona Apple doing that weird thing at the end of the opening track of her new album. I'm so glad you referenced her dolphin noises. Got it. Oh, God. Hey, Jeff, we got to get out of here. Can you do me a favor? Fetch the bolt cutters. And I've always been too smart for that, but you know what? My heart was not. I took it like a kid, you see. The cool kids voted to get rid of me. I'm ashamed of what it did to me. What I let get done. It stole my fun. It stole my fun. Fetch the bolt cutters. I've been in here too long. Fetch the bolt cutters. I've been in here too long. I, I was waiting for you to make a reference to the boat sinking or something. Alright, so Fiona Apple released a new album called Fetch the Bolt Cutters. Um, so, before we cover anything else, I do just want to say, the, the first track is called I Want You to Love Me, and it genuinely ends with her, I'm pretty sure she hired a dolphin, like, to sing the last verse. I'm not really sure what's happening. She literally just makes dolphin noises for a little bit at the end. Um, just to explain yeah, what could Yeah, could have done without that. Chris, what what are your thoughts here? Um, I mean, this is the one I probably wrote the most for. All right, first off, you're the one with a history of Fiona Apple. Tell me a little bit about how this stacks up to her other albums. So, okay, no, that's the thing. Because I, here's I, the thing. I, I, I Okay, I basically know that she put out the album with the long title and that she was a thing in the late 90s, but I didn't hear – I've not heard a note of her music outside of this album. And I think you've at least heard a few songs. Oh, okay. Like, my history is, you know, there was one album, which I actually don't remember the name of, that my dad had a copy of. It's one of her ones from the late 90s. Um, it had a song, I want to say, that was called Criminal, that I liked as a, however old I was. I'm going to say as a kid, but I don't remember how old I actually was. But really, that's that's about my history with her. I am assuming, I believe, this is the first full album of hers I've ever actually listened to. Well, I think we just kind of decided to listen to this one because it dropped out of nowhere and got a lot of praise. Like, it just dropped on a Friday as a surprise. And everyone was like, holy shit, it's Fiona Apple. And I was like, yeah. I was. I believe your message to me said something like, apparently Fiona Apple released an album and apparently people like it. Yeah. <laughs> And I was just like, oh, okay, that's strange. So um, this album was a little bit more odd than I expected because not knowing anything about Fiona Apple, I expected, you know, one of those artsy but still poppy 90s song- songwriters like Sinead O'Connor or Alanis Morissette or something, maybe Tori Amos. Um, this isn't quite Bjork weird, but it's a little bit stranger than any of those. This is definitely there's some definitely some there, there's some weird experimental stuff going on. In yeah, 
Um, the album, like you said, opens up with I Want You to Love Me, which kind of has like this dreamy piano riff that sounds like it should be in an indie movie soundtrack. Um, and some very interesting delivery choices on the chorus when she goes, I want you to love me. And while I'm in this body, Yeah, I actually wrote, like, my first note here is, I want you, gasp, love me, you. And so it reminds me, um, you're going to notice a, a trend here. I'm going to make this reference a couple times. It reminds me of that thing that, like, progressive metal bands do, where they write the lyrics and then the melody, the lines of the melody don't line up with the end of each line of the lyrics. Mm -hmm. So, like, the first line of the lyrics might go into the second run of the melody. Yeah. And it reminds me of that kind of thing, which as a general rule, I, I can't stand. It comes off as incredibly lazy writing to me. It's like it, lyrics do not have to rhyme, but if you're going to rhyme three and a half verses, not rhyming two lines in the second verse comes off as lazy. If you're going to write a melody that doesn't really cover all of the lines in your verses, it's coming off as lazy. This just kind of came off as really fun to me, actually. I was going to say, um, <clears throat> so I I don't have a ton to say about the lyrics on the album as a whole. There's a few songs that I'll maybe bring up. They're vaguely poetic enough that there are some lines that I can be like, I like this line, and then like a couple lines later this one will make my eye twitch a little um and you know she confronts some heavy topics on this album like abuse and bullying and and you know that one rape line um but i think for the most part they weren't bad um but there was something like there's something interesting about the way that she delivers all the lines where she just kind of has a flow and she just kind of assaults you with various concepts that's a. I think saying she assaults you is a good way to describe most of this album, honestly. <laughs> I but I don't hate it. But she she has like a very quick delivery of like, um. If, I'll read something from this one. I want you to use it, blast the music, bang it, bite it, bruise it, wherever you want to begin, begin. It's not like great, but she goes very quick, like into another concept. Yes. Um, so I actually wrote it in, in, so I wrote this about the first song, but it really applies to this whole thing. Her rhythmic changes are really, really interesting. Mm -hmm. And I also love the contrast so often on this album. It, it's fundamentally piano and voice. Obviously there's a lot more going on, but the songs are mostly centered around piano playing of some sort usually in, like, very percussive ways. I was gonna say, this album is a lot more percussive and, like, primitive in a folky way than I it, expected it to be. 
it's super rhythmically interesting, and I love the contrast between the music and the vocal delivery on almost every track. It's like uh, the second track, Shamika. She has this like really crazy piano part going on with this syncopated vocal delivery, and it's like so contrasting. It almost sounds wrong, but it works. Well, it's weird because it, it to me it parts of it sounded like there was like a Broadway influence, but then there was like a moment where it sounded like there was a moment of noise rock influence. Shamika said I had potential. Hurricane Gloria in ecstasis tale. That's my bird in my tree. My dog and my man and my music is my holy trinity. Hurricane Gloria in ecstasis tale. That's my bird in my tree. Oh, oh, there's definitely some like noise rock and fusion stuff going on in here. In fact, I want you to listen to like the first few seconds of Shamika and then listen to the first few seconds of what I just sent you. Okay. I made a comparison real quick here. Uh, what I sent to Chris is a track called Time Difference by Hiromi's Sonic Bloom, which is a group centered around a fusion pianist named Hiromi Yuhara. And I never, I, when I was like, oh, I'm going to sit down and listen to a Fiona Apple album, thinking of jazz fusion music is not at all what I thought it was going to remind me of. Well, in in like just looking up, Fiona Apple, apparently she is known for her um, incredible piano playing, which uh, that was surprising to me. I did not know anything about her, but I was not ready. I'm sorry, you sounded like you were drowning in the ocean that I was making you imagine earlier. But all I was saying was I am 100% going to have to listen to more of her. I haven't yet, but I'm actually super excited to listen to more of her because if this album is any indication of what she does uh i had no idea i was such a big fiona apple fan i'm gonna read you just a couple lines from uh her wikipedia article um that that are relevant apple was classically trained on piano as a child and began composing her own pieces by the age of eight when learning to play piano she would often take sheet music and translate guitar tablature into the corresponding notes apple later began to play along with jazz standard compositions and after becoming proficient there's uh through which she discovered billy holiday and ella fitzgerald so yeah she's a classically trained pianist by eight i guess with a lot of jazz influence oh see i had see i had no idea again i i really didn't know a whole lot about her um so this is super interesting this is a really crazy album that i i was not expecting because i think i was going into this like you expecting singer songwriter poppy folk stuff maybe yeah and uh this isn't it (laughs) this this isn't that at all no and i i really expected that because of you know how how out of nowhere this came and and blew up i expected it just to kind of be something that was a lot more accessible and it was actually kind of um it was a not 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 musically off-putting but just 
against my expectations off-putting the first time I listened to it, and I kind of had to come around to it over a few listens. Oh, see, I mean, this is, like, the kind of thing that I I loved this. I mean, I loved this immediately. Yeah, I mean, and not in, like, a this-is-bad-I-don't-like-it way or I have to get used to this way. Just, like, this isn't what I expected, and I'm not sure this is what I was ready for right now. You know what I mean? Yeah, I get that. Um, Oh, I'm always ready for this. (laughs) This this was... Okay, spoiler alert. I love this album. I I really liked it. You were probably more passionate about it than I was. Uh, but yeah, I surprisingly, oh, I surprisingly came came around in a couple listens to actually really enjoying this. Oh god, it's and it so hit me, good. it hit me today too. I was like, I was like, you know, I don't think I expected to think this was like a great album, but this is a great album. Yeah, this is a phenomenal album. Um, so there for anyone who was curious what our actual thoughts were, um. <laughs> Okay, now you mentioned a couple lyrics. I did not actually write down any particular lyrics. I figured if you were going to cover some, I'd let you do it. Otherwise, I was going to kind of leave that go. There is one lyric, however, I really want to point out. Is it the same one that I want to point out? Because... I don't don't know. Is it in the song Rack of His? Uh, No, please point out your lyric, and then I'll point out my lyric. Because mine was in For Her. Actually, real quick, I'll just say mine was in For Her. And it, it's not something that I really want to delve into, but um, the the line, um, you raped me in the same bed where your daughter was born, I think I uh, could get a pretty visceral reaction out of, like, the most seasoned death metal listener. Uh, yeah, I kind of assumed you were going to cover that one, and that is not a lyric I wanted to cover. Uh, this is a podcast where I am not really wanting to dig, dig into topics too much, but, yeah, that, I mean, that... Again, that I don't, I don't want to, really I don't want to dig into it. But man, that one kind of punched me in the face when I heard oh. it. Oh, oh yeah. Um, no, my lyric is much more lighthearted than that. Okay, yeah. Let's send uh, this out on a good note. In the song "Rack of His," it has the lyrics: "Check out that rack of his. Look at that row of guitar necks." lined up like eager fillies, outstretched like legs of rockets. And if that isn't, like, the sexiest string of confusing sentences I've ever heard, I don't know what is. I have never felt more aroused and confused by song lyrics before. What about a few lines later when it's, I thought you would well on me like you well on them, but it was just a coochie cuckoo. <laughs> the whole song is a mess. It's uh... so weird. It's so bizarre, but I, I loved it. Yeah, I mean, this is just... I didn't even know what to do with this one. It was so funny, though. Um, it, obviously, this is a much bigger contrast than the song For Her, which is just a few tracks later. Alright, um... I'm giving Fiona Apple the bolt cutters on this one. You're gonna give her the bolt cutters? She's getting, she's... Is that your, uh, your final review? Yeah, like, I'm handing her the bolt cutters. She's getting what she wanted. Yeah, I understand. You fetched them for her. Congratulations. You made a really dumb joke. (laughs) So proud of you. Uh, Do you have a, do you have a better rating? No, not at all. Okay. Um, All right, Jeff. All right. Your eyes are closed again. Fiona Apple's gone. We're, we're camping in the forest now. Listen to the wind in the pines. Can you smell them? You feel a warm crackling fire. Oh, Jeff, did you hear that? Is that, is that a wolf? That's a wolf. That's not a timber wolf or a gray wolf. That's a Swedish metal band wolf. 
and they want you to listen to their new album, Feeding the Machine. Why are you like this? I don't know what you're talking about. We're doing the pre-show guided meditation. Can we talk about the fact that you're calling it the pre-show, even though this is halfway through? Jeff, this is the pre-show. I hate, I hate this. I'm gonna leave you to talk about this one. I'm gonna be completely honest with you. Um, you weren't you you were indifferent. Give me give me something to talk about. Uh, well, Wolf is a Swedish metal band. And... Wolf is a Swedish metal band who does that. What's is there an official name? I keep calling it throwback metal. Is there like an official title for it? Um, I believe it's like the new wave of traditional heavy metal is what we're referring to it as, which is. Oh, about okay. as about as accurate as you can get, um, and there. I mean, Wolf is one of those bands where I've been known into a walk into a room full of strangers and start telling them to listen to Wolf, uh, which proves difficult because there's about 500 bands called Wolf on Spotify. I was actually gonna say, can we talk about the fact that it legitimately took me two days to find this album on Spotify? <laughs> I could have just said it to I you could... if you had asked. I, you know what? I could have. I had more fun just browsing Spotify periodically and spending like five minutes looking at bands and being like, "Is this it? Nope, they don't have a new album. Never mind. Oh, what's this? Oh, never mind. This is an album called Wolf. Oh, wait. Now I'm just finding songs called Wolf. Okay, now Spotify is giving me things that don't even have Wolf in the title. I don't know why this is showing up in my search. Like, it didn't literally take me two days, but you know what I mean. I literally had to Google Wolf band new album. And it wasn't even the first result. Like, I had to look for a little bit to find the name of the album to then search on Spotify for the album. I'm very but, sorry for your for your loss of time. But Woofer but just wanted... Ha- Go ahead. For having such an amazingly generic name, um, they do have what got me into them in the first place years ago, which is one of the best album covers of all time. <laughs> On, is it their self-titled it's album? Their, it's their first it album. Been... It's self-titled, uh, and it is one of the worst <laughs> album covers ever ever drawn. But I love that album. Um, Wolf are always solid. This is they've put out eight albums and one absinthe, um, and they're very consistent in quality, throwback, speed, heavy metal. Uh, and this yeah. is very typical of their work, which is unfortunately it does leave us very little to talk about. But Wolf aren't here to break new ground. They're just one of those bands that do one thing and they do it very well. And they do it very well. This is a this is a totally fine album. But like that's it. It's a totally fine album. Um, I don't know any members' names. I apologize. I usually am like really into like knowing bands, and I just for some reason never got around it. Um, I really love their singer's voice. Well, they, has, I do believe, like, um, just to throw this out there, I do believe that this is kind of, at this point, the singer's project and they're kind of a rotating door band. Oh, are they really? I, I do believe that the singer is like now the only original member. Okay, I can, you know, you I can, can verify that. that uh, but, but okay, that's totally I do fine. believe that's the, that's a fact. You can you can throw in an editor's note if you need to. Yeah. Um, he, has a, he has a cool voice. He has a great voice for the style. He, he has one of those... It's one of those, like, higher tenor rock voices. It's a little nasally, a little whiny, but not, like, not whiny in a, like, weak way. It's whiny in, like, it sounds like a whine or a wail. 
I don't um, I don't even have to put in an editor's note because he's been the uh, consistent vocalist and guitarist since 1995, uh, and the bassist and drummer just joined last year, and then the guitarist has only been there since 2011. So okay. he's he's well, been he's been he's been run, but, yeah. So I mean, but yeah, but like it's it really is it's a totally fine album. Uh, literally, there's not a single track on here that I think really stuck out. I really liked uh, Black Widow which is near the end of the album. Um, and it opens with a song called Shoot to Kill, which is super cool. And yeah, I Shoot really, to really Kill cool. was a great speedy opener. cool songs i put them both on one of my playlists on spotify uh i do i don't have much to say though i like i'm into i'm in i'm into guillotine after after covid i'm pro guillotine i want to bring it back um i feel like we should (laughs) behead some people uh all right i like dead man's hand that's a catchy that's a catchy sing-along song for the crowd uh if they ever come to america what's the catchy sing-along song uh dead man's hand Have they never toured in the U.S.? Not that I'm aware of, but uh, I've also only been following them for a couple years. But I do every once in a while keep an eye on if they're ever, like, coming, and I never see them coming. Um, I gotcha. Midnight Hour was the first single from the album, and it works very well as a first single. Um, Spoonbender uh, could have done with them not giving Spoonbenders so much credit, uh, but it does have a cowbell in the intro, so I'll let it go. I'm glad that's your redeeming quality here. I need more cowbell. I never thought that joke was funny. Especially 20 years later. Maybe that's just me hating Christopher Walken speaking. I don't know. God, you just suck. Yes, yeah, anyone who hears I hate Christopher Walken. Get over it. Okay, let's just make a list of everything that you hate. So we got Christopher Walken. Um, I don't think I kept it in, but you had a lovely, like, five-minute rant about... um. David Bowie. Yeah, like, I think I had to cut the David Bowie one just so we wouldn't get complaints about you complaining about David Bowie. Oh, no, you totally leave that in. Fuck David Bowie. In fact, I'm going to start referencing that now just, like, so often that you can't always cut it. I hate David Bowie. <laughs> I'm going to keep saying And that's, you know what? I don't even mind that, but you got you got fucking raw, and I, I was like, I'm not leaving the Because it, it doesn't even apply to anything. You just started assaulting David Bowie. Yeah, I assault David Bowie a lot. I don't I can't physically do it because he's dead. Jesus Christ, Jeff! What the fuck? I don't hate David Bowie nearly as much as I like to say I hate David Bowie. <laughs> I okay. That being said, there's not a single song of his I actually particularly like. And I think by by all measures, I think he was probably a moderately terrible person. I mean, that's fine. Um, I didn't really want to leave in you accusing him of pedophilia, though really know if that's like being accused i think he's one of the ones that's like oh yeah this definitely happened and why don't we talk about it like jimmy page is up in that camp 
and so is Steven Tyler from Aerosmith. Like, well, I don't really think it's up for debate. It just was never pressed. But, okay, it really just came out of nowhere when you said it. Like, it was like, I, I fuck. We were talking about him. We were talking about Poppy. We were talking about Poppy, and I said she reinvents herself like David Bowie, and you said, fuck David Bowie, he's a child diddler or something like that. Like, it was really just... (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, I'm not leaving this in. I'll leave in this conversation about us talking about you talking about David Bowie. This I will leave in, but I wasn't leaving out of nowhere, uh, fuck David Bowie, he's a child diddler, (laughs) or whatever the fuck you said. That doesn't sound like my kind of sentence. Like, I don't think that's actually what I would have said, but I totally get what you mean. I, I believe it was a longer rant, and, like, child diddling was just kind of in there somewhere. And I was like, I'm not leaving this here. That's beautiful. Um, I'm hoping somewhere you still have the recording, though. Oh, like, I, I hope you have, like, more of all, like, the rough drafts. And I was gonna say, I haven't deleted any of the core recordings. Like, they're all still around as of right now. Good. Good. Um... And maybe someday, like I've, I've said to you before, maybe someday I'll parse through them and take out like some of the stupid, funny bits that I've cut out over the year, over the over the episodes. You're never going to air the David Bowie rant, which is totally fine. Uh, um, a lot of people who know me have heard the rant in person. Like it's completely okay. <laughs> anyway, um, back to talking about Wolf, which I have nothing to say, which is why I keep changing the topic. <laughs> Wolf, I'm sorry. Like, I really... And I enjoyed this album. It's totally fine. I liked two songs. But lyrically, it's not interesting. It is so typical heavy metal. Uh, Vocally, it is so typical heavy metal. But everything about it is just so... I don't necessarily want to say cliche, but fairly stereotypical for the genre. It's... And it's one of those things where, I mean... I could compare this in quality with other albums that we've listened to this year, like Haunt and stuff, but there isn't the I haven't listened to this band factor with Wolf like there is with those. It's it's very hard to describe a band that you and I have been listening to for years. For years. Uh, and this is totally fine. I mean, again, like Haunt was, was really cool to listen to because they were new to me. Mm-hmm. And there were, you know, I mean, there's just like, you can take, three, four, 30 bands, whatever, of the same style, and there's going to be differences. Like, the vocals are different. The way the guitar players come up with riffs is going to be different, even though it's going to be all the same for themselves. Like, yes, you know, every ACDC song sounds the same, but even bands that sound like ACDC don't sound exactly like ACDC. Right. Um, Wolf sounds like Wolf. And even though they're in that same throwback style as, you know, Haunt, who we talked about. Um, Holy Grail, something like there that. There are differences. There are differences in how Haunt writes and how the singer sings and how the guy from Wolf sings. It's like, But this is so Wolf. It's Wolf. What do I say? It's Wolf. It's a Wolf album. It's called Feeding the Machine. Uh, it has a song called The Raven on it. Any solos stick out to oh. you as particularly good? Well, in particular, I mean, they're all serviceable they're all fine i mean they're all better than i am but like it's nothing was blowing my mind here okay well then i guess with that um guided meditation is almost over are we getting getting back on our goddamn boat or whatever the hell no 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 we're we're out of the forest we're we're off the boat the guided meditation is almost over um and i'm gonna finish you off with a nice story from your favorite book the Bible. 
And this one's from the New Testament. In transhuman state, it's time to evacuate, waiting for a ride to take them to the gate. Oh, wait, wait. This isn't from the Bible. This is from a different New Testament. This is... This is from Titans of Creation by Thrash Metal Band Testament. Jeff, I'm going to ask you again. Is this your favorite or least favorite episode? Get back to me on that. It's important to note that every time I see the track name, Code of Hammurabi, I read Code of Harambe for a second. <laughs> Seriously? Yeah, I just, I thought that was uh, an important way to open this review. Can, okay, so you know what, if you're going to start with that song, can I just point out something on that song? Yeah, sure. First off, the, the, the Code of Hammurabi. First off, do you know what that is? Like, do you understand the reference here? Uh, no, I do not. That is from roughly uh, 1754 BC. It is literally the Babylonian, like, law, like the Code of Law that they would have followed. I think it was mostly based around punishments, if I remember correctly. Okay. Um, the chorus of this song, they kind of say... Eye for an eye for an eye. I'm sure you know the phrase like eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. tooth, tooth, tooth yeah. Okay, um, that's what this is. That's what this is. Okay. So first off, I'm really bothered by the fact that the chorus is eye for an eye for an eye because I'm not sure where the third eye is coming from. I don't know why a third person has to be involved in this. Yeah, that could be a problem because what if <laughs> what if what if your third eye is blind? Oh, really? Anyway, but really. Really, what I want to bring up is the fact that, like, you kept reading it as Code <laughs> code of Harambe. I kept reading it, like, in my head, and I don't know why. This makes no sense, because the words don't even really look alike. I kept reading it as Code of Yajirobe, like the guy from Dragon Ball. <laughs> and I want this song to be about a fat kid with a sword. Just, just <laughs> ending the Vegeta fight early. Yeah, like, that's really all I wanted. <laughs> I just, I couldn't, I couldn't get it out of my head. The word Hammurabi looks like something else, and I'm not sure what it looks like to me, that kept translating to Yajirobe, and I'm just like, I, I hate this. Uh, I mean, I, 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 I see, I see what you're coming at at the beginning, or at the end of the word, the R-A-B-I. Yeah, like, uh, really... the, the H is really throwing me here. I don't know where that's coming from, and I honestly had no intention of telling you that, but except for the fact that you were seeing the title of the song wrong, I figured I'd let you know that I was also having a stroke while reading the title. <laughs> um, but, you know, there's some uh, there's some real fun themes on this one. Uh, you know I, I like you my... That? You know I like my Heaven's Gate. Um, you know I, I think Richard Ramirez is the one serial killer who scares the shit out of me. I don't, I don't know who that is. The Richard Ramirez, the fucking Night Stalker. Los Angeles taunted by America's most wanted. This merciless killer goes to claim his prize. Home invasion town. When it feels just like forever. 1985, he's got you in. 
remember, unlike the rest of the modern world of middle-class white people, I don't have an obsession with serial killers. So I don't know who this is. Um, the scary thing, the, the important thing to know about Richard Ramirez, aside from the fact that like he's a like he's a theatrical little bitch who like wrote a drew a pentagram on his hand and like said some stupid shit in court, like that stuff I don't care about. The thing that scares the shit about about him with me is that he is one of very few that killed completely indiscriminately and had no motive and had no pattern. Like he didn't use the same weapon. He just kind of broke into people's house. Didn't matter. No color, no racial preferences, rich, poor, old, young, didn't matter. Just broke into people's house and murdered the fuck out of them and left. And that, that like the thing that's scary about right. that is like, just he had no pattern. All right. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I, okay. That's, he, he, that's a thing. He was um, very much just like, he was like BTK and that he just snuck into your house and killed you. But unlike BTK who had like some preferences and like some patterns and got caught by being a fucking dumbass, uh, Richard Ramirez is actually like the devil. And was his BTK favorite, the one? his favorite band was ACDC. Great. Good. Good. Um, was BTK the one who like accidentally turned himself in by giving up, the police uh, like a cd or something that he, they could trade back he, to where it yeah he asked that. he asked that. the police if if he gave them a, a disc full of information if they could trace it back to him and they were like uh no and that technically wasn't a lie except that on one of the word documents um there was information that traced it back to his church oh okay gotcha yeah i just i couldn't remember what the deal was i knew there was something about like because, like, I don't even think, like, it was not like it was a Word document. If I remember correctly, it was, like, like in the the properties of the file or whatever. Yeah, it? I mean, I, yeah, I yeah. don't really know. Yeah. It was, it's like, the disc itself, like, inherently wouldn't have done it, but, like, there was something on one of the files that led back to the church and led back to his username on the church Word, word okay. document. Gotcha. I, I um, lyrically, I don't. I don't go much either way on this album, except for I feel like the line "they're chilling with the devil" is kind of <laughs> is kind of lame. It's not full cringe, but it's not great. Uh, no, it's it's not great. Um, I don't actually ever take testament for great lyrics. It's not that they're bad writers. I don't know if they have like a sole lyricist or not. I don't know if 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 Chuck Billy is like the lyricist as well, or if it's like a shared thing. Um, they're not great lyrics. They're not great lyricists in any stretch, at least not to me. This is one of those ones that, like, I realize there is definitely an audience for their style of writing, and I can appreciate that for what it is. It's just not me. The same way, not everybody is going to like Edgar Allan Poe's style of writing, like the semi morbidness to, you know, in his word choices, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm not going to deny like his talent, and I'm not going to deny the talent behind most Testament lyrics, at least from what I'm familiar with. Yeah, it's not really me. I don't think I know a single Testament song lyrically entirely. They just don't stick to me. Yeah. It's just not stick to me. No, I mean that's and that's completely fair. Um, I don't yeah. think they're particularly one of the the greatest poets in the thrash movement. Um, nor are they like they're... one of the worst. I mean, there's. It's totally it, serviceable. It's ever that, that's one of the things about like the big the big bands in thrash is that they all take things in like very different directions. 
where I would say um, someone's going to crucify me for this, but probably Metallica is the smart lyricist of the group. Um, at oh, least, oh yeah. At least in terms of their '80s material, they they put out some real questionable stuff they later are, on. But they're the ones. I'm going to say there were questionable things at the beginning too. But well, yeah. They Metallica again. I'm not the biggest thrash metal fan. I do not know all of these bands, all of their albums, all their lyrics. But of what I do know, there are some absolute lyrical gems in some Metallica songs. Yeah. I think definitely outshine anything else I've heard otherwise. Um, and then like Slayers, like obviously Brutality and uh, Megadeth have like a weird. They're not. Dave Mustaine is a terrible lyricist sometimes, but they're they're kind of like the everyman's, um, the everyman's way of like expressing anger or betrayal. Like, there is some stuff by Dave Mustaine that I think is, in terms of, like, everyman poetry, very good. Yeah, I, I, I guess I can get that. I can totally get that. Like, like okay, it, it, I'm just, because I don't have a ton to say about Testament, I'm just going to give you a little bit. In My Darkest Hour is, is a song by Dave Mustaine that was written by um, when Metallica didn't call him after Cliff Burton died. And it's, it's just, it's very blunt. And it's just, in my hour of need, no, you're not there. And though I reached out for you, you wouldn't lend a hand. In the darkest hour, your grace did not shine on me. It feels so cold, very cold. No one cares for me. Did you ever think I get lonely? Did you ever think that I needed love? Did you ever think, stop thinking that you're the only one that I'm thinking of? Yeah, I mean, that's definitely like better than I could write. I think it's, it's not mind-blowing, but like I totally get it. And I like your, I like your, the, how you call it, like, every man, like, Everybody can put themselves into the position of those lyrics and think mm-hmm. like, I didn't write this, but I could. But have. there's been a moment I, in my life that this I can relate this to. Yes, without and and these are words that I would have thought of if mm-hmm. I were a writer. Um, where like you know you look at some lyricists and go like, like oh oh dear God, like I never would have thought of some of these words. Like this is this is crazy. Yeah, even though, like oh I understand this song. This is not how I would have said it. Like, that absolutely, yeah, Dave Mustaine is uh, certainly in every man in a lot of ways, actually. It's fine. It's fine. I, I, I think many people can put themselves in Dave Mustaine's shoes and think, I could sing that. Yeah. Um, other Another uh, lyrical note, um, The Healers is the Native American song on this album, because I think the last few have had one. Uh, Chuck Billy is embracing his heritage, along with another thrash uh, staple uh, of Anthrax. Um, <laughs> exactly. And, okay, so here's a weird complaint. It's not a complaint I have. It's just, I don't know. I There are plenty of songs about, like, just embracing, like, general embracing Native American heritage, and that's fine. But I want, like, something about Native American myths or something. I want, like, some Skinwalkers and Thunderbirds and Wendigos or something. You know, these are all from different tribes. I don't know what Chuck Billy is, but I'm generalizing. Like, I'd like to hear, like, there's plenty of, like, metal songs about, you know, monsters and shit. I want to hear something like that. There's plenty of, okay, so Testament in in that sense, like, let's face it, they have a song called WWIII, like, you know, a World War III song. Uh, Night of the Witch, False Prophet. Like, obviously, Testament does a lot of, like, like, religious and mythological 
themes. Um, and, you know, I never that actually never really occurred to me that, like, no, I guess as far as I'm aware, at least there aren't, like, any Native American-themed things as far as, like, mythology goes. Obviously, there's plenty of uh, popular rock and metal songs about Native Americans in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, interesting. I never really thought about that, actually. Yeah, I mean, that was just a weird thought that occurred to me. Is like, I'd I'd like to hear a song uh, or two about like some of these, some of the mythology of Native American tribes, rather, oh, yeah. than, rather than just and and you know the pride stuff is cool, but I'd I'd like to hear something else. Yeah. Te- teach me of your like culture. If, if and if like we're gonna you know keep harping on like the religious and and mythological themes, can we can we I realize this is what most of these like heavy metal guys they probably grew up in Christian households, but like, can we talk about something else? Please? Yeah, yeah. Maybe? Like, it's not like they're all Christian rock bands. A lot of it's either just like using the 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 stories behind it from like a myth standpoint, or they're criticizing it. Yeah, yeah can we can we get something else? That'd be super cool. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's one of the things that I really liked about early Slalfeg is that they did stuff about, like, Irish mythology and stuff like that. Yeah, because, again, it's, like, not something you really... It's not something that, like, I know a lot about, and I probably would have a bigger interest in it if I really even knew where to begin. It actually sparked but an interest in me, and now I've been, like, looking into it a little bit. That doesn't surprise me, yeah. Um, but, like, yeah, I think it's, that it would be interesting to see someone, like, really kind of dive into this... In the context of, like, heavy metal, obviously there are people who are super into these things as a whole. Mm-hmm. I'm, yeah, we're, we're talking, like, lyrically in the context of a hard rock or heavy metal band. Yeah. Um, enough of the gods, too. Oh, my God. Yeah. There's enough of that. Yeah. But... Um, I, I, I feel like uh, Gene Hoagland, the drummer... Uh, was a little underutilized. He had some really good moments, um, but I just kind of feel like he's a better drummer than a lot of this. Oh, see, I really, I, I'm genuinely not aware. I mean, other than the fact that, like, I recognized his name when you said it, and I had to stop and think, like, wait, now which one is he? Um, I'm not really aware. I guess you're right. I didn't really notice anything particularly fascinating on this album from him. So Gene Hoagland um, is... I mean, and and we've said before, like you and I are not experts on the art of drumming, but he no. is um, one of the one of the big names, I would say, in kind of session drumming. Uh, but he was a member of Strapping Young Lad with Devin Townsend. Oh, was he really? Yes, he was. He was the drummer on everything but the first album. Cool. Uh, and he was in um, one of the one of the big names in transitioning thrash metal to death metal, uh, death angel, no dark angel. Sorry. Oh, all right. Cool. Uh, Hey, I know who these bands are. All right. Incredible. Um, obviously now he's in Testament. Um, he's, Oh, he was in death. Oh, all right. You know, so, and you know, you know what, what they say about, uh, about death. If it ain't Chuck, it must suck. Is, is that a thing? Um, we say it in this oh, house. Okay. We say it in okay. this house. All right. Um, I, I was on this little thing. Thank and, you. Thank and, you for clarifying. And if you have ever, I, I don't imagine that it's your kind of show, but if you've ever watched uh, Metalocalypse, he does all the drums for Death Clock. 
Oh, does he really? That's actually pretty funny. I did not know that either. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, he's been in Testament since like 1997. I think maybe a little bit off and on. But yeah, he's uh, he's a pretty prolific drummer, and I just feel like he was a little underutilized. But having said that, I think my biggest complaint on this album is that it's it's pretty solid, but there's nothing that catches my ear in the way that some of their older material does, like Practice What You Pe- Preach or uh, Face in the Sky or Electric Clown. Crown. Electric Clown? Yeah, Electric Crown. Electric Clown. Um, no, I mean, this. They're re- again, I, I feel so bad because I had so much more to say for the first two albums. I had almost nothing to say about this or, or Wolf. This is, I think you described this to me originally as like, hey, there is that New Testament album out. You probably want to listen to it. It's definitely a Testament album. Mm-hmm. And it is. Again, they are very consistent. They are consistently good. They are also consistently Testament. Yes. Yeah. yeah, it's fine. It's, and I mean, I'm, like... I'm going to come clean with everyone here. This is kind of, um, this is kind of a week to let you catch up on some of the big homework that I gave you on a much meatier episode next week, hopefully. Yeah, that's so, a thing. So this is, I mean, have you done any of your homework? I have done some of my homework. Excellent. Cool. Obviously, we're not talking about our home, the homework. We're yet, not going to talk yes. about our homework. But this is this was kind of a, uh, let's let's take this week easy and then, you know, save some of the heavy shit for next week. I mean, so, like these were all, all four of these were things that either we were both planning on listening to anyway or there was the Fiona Apple album, which we were both just like, I didn't know this was a thing people talked about. Yeah. Like, if it, you know, like you said, if, if it weren't for the fact that people were really talking about this album, I never would have even known it came out. Right. I don't exactly follow Fiona Apple. I didn't really know who she was. Yeah. Um, but no, I mean, this is a totally fine album. Uh, I love Alex Skolnick. Oh, yeah. He's an incredible guitarist. As, as, as a lead guitar player, he is just absolutely phenomenal. I mean, he's done... He's done so many other things that I genuinely really love. Obviously, he's on uh, a couple Sabotage albums, who I obviously have a very soft spot for Sabotage. I know I've talked about them before. We talked about our buddy Zach Stevens uh, a couple episodes ago. Mm-hmm. Alex Skolnick has a couple jazz trio albums. Have you ever heard of them? Have you ever heard his jazz stuff? No. I'll have to check did that you out. Know he did you know I did not. Alex Skolnick has the Alex Skolnick trio where it is, it is, he literally is taking rock and metal songs and rearranging them to be jazz songs. It's ridiculously cool. Okay. Um, in fact, so I've seen Alex Skolnick live twice now. Um, like aside from Testament, or is that including Testament? No, Testament was one of the times I saw the Alex Skolnick trio years ago. Okay. Um, and, and but like I mean I would love to see him like in 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 other contexts. I know you know obviously he he is involved um, with one of the touring groups uh, for Trans Siberian Orchestra. At least he has been. I don't know if he's consistently involved. Yeah. Um, did you also know that he has a world music acoustic album? No. Welcome, welcome to the world of Alex Skolnick outside of heavy metal. He's done some goofy stuff, man. Okay. Yeah, he has an album called Planetary Coalition, and it's it's world music. It's super cool. Okay, I'll, I'll have to check I'll some of this out. I, mean, I just like I love Alex Skolnick. I I think I love pretty much everything the man touches. He's just a phenomenal player. 
even his super fast crazy leads like there's there's a melody there yeah. like i remember everything everything i've heard him play do you have a favorite solo um, on this album on this album not necessarily i don't think there's a bad song on this album though either so like i i can't really criticize anything okay yeah i know i agree i think there's a bad song or i don't think there's a bad song on this album I just I don't think there's anything that catches you quite like Electric Crown or Practice What You Preached no, back in the day. But never. it's but this is like like you like like we've agreed, this is a solid front to back testament album. Um I don't know if it's one of the first ones I'd recommend if you've never heard Testament before. But if you like Testament, this is gonna be a solid album. If you're into this kind of thing already, uh, listen to it. It's it's good. Um if you are completely unfamiliar with Testament or with thrash metal in general, this is not where you start. In fact, if you're not familiar with thrash metal, I don't recommend you start with Testament in general. I don't think they're the easiest to digest of the thrash bands. At least that's my take personally on it. Again, I'm not an expert, but I know if any Testament song was like my introduction to thrash metal, I don't know if I would have gotten into it at all. Yeah, no, I can agree with that. They're they're easier to get into than if you're just like being thrown into Slayer or something. Um, oh yeah, oh, but, oh definitely. But I I mean, going back to it's it's you know it's the stereotypical answer. But going back to the well, if you're not sure if you like thrash metal, just check out Metallica. And if you do like thrash metal and you don't know if you like Testament, uh, Souls of Black. Is that what you would recommend to start with Testament? Um, what would you say? Uh, so. I'm only saying this because I think it was the first full album I listened to was The Ritual. Okay, that's a good one too. But I don't actually know if that's like I'm like I'm looking at it going like I don't know if this is like normal or not. I don't remember why this is the one I listened to first, honestly. No, I, I don't think... know if this was your recommendation or if there was like a song on here that you told me to listen to first. Actually, I think I, genuinely... I think their most celebrated album is their first one, The Legacy. But I. I genuinely think that you could put on anything like any of their first like five albums uh, are pretty solid. And then with the sixth one low, I like that album, but that's when he starts getting into death growls. And that's also a little bit more, not for everyone. Um, so yeah, I was actually going to say, I, I always, so, so, okay, we're going to quick tangent here real quick. If you don't mind. Um, I didn't really know who Chuck Billy was by name until that We Wish You a Metal Xmas compilation album. Right. Where he sings what I call the loudest version of Silent Night ever recorded. It's incredible. Um, when I saw the name Chuck Billy on that, and I didn't know who it was, this is a recording of Silent Night, and it is like, it is death growls. Like, it is really, really intense vocals. Um, that's what I thought Testament was, because I think at that point, I haven't actually listened to Testament. So I think you told me to listen to something. I don't specifically know what. Somehow I ended up listening to The Ritual, because I know you did say listen to early albums before he was doing the death Crown. yeah and i mean electric crown is a very it's a it's an ear-catching single i'm looking at the track listing of the ritual going i get the feeling electric crown was probably the first testament song i listened to yeah but like yeah i mean 
songs like Electric Crown, Practice What You Preach, Face in the Sky, they're they're a, a lot more catching and they and his vocal styling is a little bit more in the way of James Hetfield. Like young James Hetfield. Yeah. It's rough, it's shouty, um, it's aggressive without without being full on growling into a microphone. Yeah. Then um then okay, go ahead. But I was never mind. Go ahead. No, uh, finish your I was say then, I then in like 1994 with Low, he started doing he started implementing some death growls, and then uh, with Demon, Demonic and the Gathering, like he he did a lot of death growls, and then he kind of started reeling it back in. But his voice is now much harsher than it was in the early days. I well, think I'm sure a certain aspect of that is is just abuse, you know, just doing that style of singing for for years and being i don't know how old is he he's probably pushing 60 if not in his 60s yeah uh, well and also um i i i cannot well he's 57 i cannot confirm completely um i know he had some sort of like sinus cancer i think it changed his voice a little oh that would definitely make sense yeah that would definitely make um so real quick, I just want to throw this out there just because it is. I'm sorry. Uh, it was a, a it was a it was a chest it was a chest tumor near his heart. Okay, I gotcha. Well, either way, relevant. Um, I want to just throw this out there because it is a sign of the times right now. Um, I'm assuming you saw that he actually tested positive for COVID nineteen. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, he is also, I believe, recovering, or if, if not recovered, but. Uh, topical very strange that i i kind of forgot that until i was uh looking i was actually what i was doing was i was looking up who all the members of testament were and i was started seeing headlines about him recovering i was just like oh i don't think i miss i think i missed this i don't think i realized he uh actually tested positive yeah well i think i did send you a link to it but i think i did it like right after it happened and um i mean it's I, been it's a very little bit. you know what there have been I don't want to say so many people that like I know of who have gotten it, but like there have been some uh, notable ones who notable people who who have tested positive. A significant number of notable of notable people, yeah. A significant number of notable people, um, and the ones that really stick out to me are ones who have passed away because of it. Yeah. Which you know, so can... being. Very, very yep. happy that, that Chuck Billy is doing better. Yes. I mean, because, like, the people who, who I have, like, seen headlines that have passed away, they're all, or at least most of them, have been, like, jazz musicians. They are significantly older. I mean, some of them have literally been in their 80s and 90s. Um, obviously, they are the uh, the demographic that is most affected by this. Yeah. And there have been quite a few who I've seen who passed away because they also all lived in New York City, so... There was like a there was I want to say there was like a week where every day I was seeing headlines for one or two musicians that I really I really enjoy. I was like, oh god, this is this is getting this is getting ridiculous. Yeah. So I guess like no offense to Chuck Billy, but seeing a guy who's in his fifties, um, I was a little less worried. I guess. Well, and also I don't think he talked about it. I don't think there was any kind of announcement while he had it. It was just he. He made an announcement that oh, he had okay. recovered, as far as I, I saw. Oh, uh, okay. I mean, that's certainly possible too. Yeah, if there was something that that he about him being in the hospital with it, 
I didn't catch that. I caught that he had recovered and was talking about uh, recovering from the disease. Gotcha. Okay. I mean, that's definitely possible. Yeah. So is that, um, are we wrapping up Titans of Creation? I'm thinking, I don't have a whole lot to say about Titans of Creation. It's a solid album uh, by Testament. It certainly is a Testament album. How many Titans are, are, are Greek? The Titans? Um, Greek mythology? The way, more, the way people normally think of the word Titan, yes. I mean, the word's been used for a lot of different things, but yeah, how, typically we're thinking of... Do we have a number of how many there are, like, mythologically? Uh, I do not personally know. I'm sure that's a Google answer. Well, how many How many Titans? In... Twelve. Twelve? Greek mythology... Derpa 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 According... Yeah, there were 12 original Titans. Okay, 12, 12 Titans. I'm going to give this 9 out of 12 Titans. Um, I'm going to give this an eye for an eye for an eye out of three eyes. I'm not oh, really wow. sure what that means. I think, I think that's a perfect score. I think it's a perfect score. No, I think I'm taking away one of those eyes. Oh, okay. So you're giving him an eye for an eye out of an eye for an eye for an eye. I don't know. There's a lot of taking eyes. I'm not really sure how many people are involved here. Okay. No, you know what? We're going to do this. I'm going to give it an eye for an eye for an eye, assuming it's only two people. So I'm going to give it a three out of four. Okay. All right. That's fine. All right. All right. We're coming back from our guided meditation, Jeff. Really? Are you calm? How are you feeling? No. You're waking not anymore. up. You're waking up. You're relaxed now. I'm, I'm, I'm better. You're, you're ready to start the episode? Are you, are you are you ready to give a calm, level-headed review? Alright, we're going to start with Danzig Sings Elvis today. <laughs> I was just going to say, welcome back to Weeks Having a Poppycast. Oh, I totally forgot about Danzig Sings Elvis. Oh my god. <laughs> One night is what I am a <laughs> all right, Jeff. Really all right, I Jeff. Let's give your calm. Let's give your calm, level-headed review of Elvis after you had after you had an hour of calming relaxation. Hold on, my calm, level-headed review of Elvis because of, of really... Danzig sings Elvis. I hate Danzig. That was calm. That was actually a pretty calm delivery. I'm gonna try and keep this calm. Um, okay, legitimately, do you want to talk about this album for a minute, though? Yeah, like, I can. Okay. I'm, I'm... Yeah, I I kind of do. I kind of I kind of want to delve into um your post Danzig stress disorder because you have a problem. <laughs> I do. Okay, so I'm gonna preface this just for anyone who happens to listen to this. It has kind of been a running thing that I like to exaggerate my hatred of of Danzig to Chris. Um, for the record, I do not like Danzig. I mean, that's, I exaggerate it, but it is, I would not be lying saying that I do not like Danzig. I that's like fine, but. Man has ever done. I mean, that's fine. You don't have to like him. Um, it sounds sometimes like, like you, you would, if you had the choice of shooting Danzig or a pedophile, you would shoot Danzig. <laughs> okay. I'm going to put it this way, Chris. Yeah. If I had the, if I had the choice 
to shoot Danzig or David Bowie, I'm shooting David Bowie. But if I had the choice of shooting Danzig and, I don't know, man, edit me saying something else bad in here. Bob Marley and Slayer. And just, like, say that I'm killing Danzig instead. I don't like Danzig. <laughs> uh, all right. So here's here's my thing. And also, part of this is, uh, there has to be a word for it. I'm sure there's a word for for when people do this. When, it's kind of like when something is so hyped up and then you're let down by it. Right. It's kind of like that. Whenever, it's like an I don't get it type thing. Whenever there are people I know who not necessarily push something on me, but talk so much about how they love something that I don't get, that makes me dislike it even more. And because you and a few other friends of ours really like a lot of Danzig, and I don't like it, that makes me so frustrated, like, how much you people enjoy him. And how much, again, not necessarily you, but how much some other people we know want me to like Danzig. I was going to say, because... There are there are songs and albums that I could see you enjoying from Danzig. Um, I try not to push it on you, but there's stuff where I'm like, you know, check this out. It's like kind of bluesy. He's got like a. a he, you, go ahead. I was say there there are songs by Danzig I do like. I okay. do not hate everything the man has ever done. There are more Danzig songs I like than David Bowie songs I like. Again, I'm going to keep bringing that up just so you don't delete anything else I've ever said about it. Uh, but I I want I want to never bring up the actual rant that I went on. Um, there are things by Danzig I like. The biggest thing, so this all goes back, sorry, story time with Jeff, ladies and gentlemen. I can't wait. Uh, a mutual friend of ours, Chris, our friend Nate, in high school, tried getting me into the band The Misfits. And I refused. I refused to even listen to them again. Because at the time, I had other friends who were big Misfits fans. And as a general rule, I hated the music they liked. And quite frankly, calling them friends is um, is generous. They were acquaintances. They were usually friends of friends who I didn't particularly like. So I had like this very negative feeling about the Misfits in general. And then, fast forward, years later, you come along, Chris. That's me. And you say, hey, Jeff, you need to listen to this. And you made me listen to Michael Graves' era Misfits, which I love. And I, I, I didn't know that then. Like, you made me listen to a couple songs. I'm just like, I don't know what this is, but I love this. And our friend Nate was pissed that now I became a Misfits fan. But he was trying to get me to listen to the Danzig era. And quite, I mean, again, simply put, I don't like Danzig. I don't like his voice. I don't like his lyrics. Especially, I don't like his voice. I think his voice is annoying. Okay, so that's okay. That's one thing. I, okay, is it just you don't like his voice because you have you have a you have a very um, visceral reaction to his voice? And I'm wondering, is it like is it the technique? Is it that he sounds close to things that like that thing where we talked about before, where it sounds close to things you like, but it's not quite there? Or is it just I, like you don't like it? I think okay. So flat roll. I just don't like his voice. But ever since uh, I had you watch that video by a YouTuber, Adam Neely, about why we hate music, and he brought up this idea of sometimes you hate music that is so close to something you love 
but it's not quite there, and that's why you hate it. I wonder if that's my problem. Danzig is so reminiscent of a bad Elvis or Jim Morrison impersonator, who I, again, I, I am an, I definitely am an Elvis fan, and I love The Doors. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's it. That is definitely possible. Okay. I, but, like, those, I mean, seriously, his voice, like, his, it grates on my ears. It, yeah, it is a definite, like, visceral reaction. Yeah. I hate his voice. It's, it's just so weird because I, he, it, it doesn't sound bad to me. It doesn't sound, like, it sounds like he has good technique. It sounds like he has good vibrato. It sounds like, you know, he has, I mean, I'm not, I'm not a master of these kind of things. You would know better than I would, but it sounds like he has a good voice, and most people seem to agree that he has a good voice. So this is one of those ones, like, I, I think on, on most technical levels, like, he's certainly an accomplished singer. He has a very powerful voice. He has a lot of grit to his voice, which I do really like. I hate the, when he lessens his voice and he gets that mumbly thing. Like, okay, so, like, obviously, like, one of the biggest dancing songs is Mother, right? Yeah. Mother! And, like, the way he drops on the er syllable, I it, I cringe. I literally cringe. I cannot stand listening to the way he sings. Okay. So then, so there are, you know, let's go back. Like, uh, I go back, not, not like to me, but like back in his catalog, like his Misfits days. I think his voice was a lot cooler then. He didn't do the uh, the half mumble thing nearly as much. Yeah, he wasn't it trying to comes, croon. He was trying to do punk vocals. Yeah. But it just comes down to as far as, as far as like that kind of hardcore punk goes, I just don't like them. Yeah. Uh, and it's much more of just like, I don't know, they just didn't do it for me. Except Angel Fuck. Like yeah, I mean, there are some great songs. I I, I really like, um, well, I mean, Angel Fuck is such a great song. I'm sorry. I realize it's kind of a ridiculous one. I don't actually know why I like that song so much. But like, Where Eagles Dare is is a classic, I think, for every good reason. Yeah. It's a really cool That's song. That's a great song. Great um, I just, I don't know. I really do think a lot of it comes down to He's close to things I love, but he's just wrong enough that it bothers me. That's fair. Okay. Uh, well, see, I was kind of wondering if, like, if you knew something, you had some kind of insight on his technique or something that I didn't hear. Because no, you, have, one of those... you have this visceral reaction that I that I just, like, I can't imagine myself having towards someone who is a decent vocalist. And there are people who are decent vocalists who I don't like, and I and I just, like, I can be like, I don't like that, that singer without um like biting the head off a bat over it yeah oh no like i mean it's this isn't like it's like i mean i god and i feel so bad saying this because i defended her for years i don't like adele uh-huh. because ever since she became like a diva and decided that she was this phenomenal vocalist she like i listen to her and it hurts because her technique is awful yeah like you can hear that her technique is awful. This is not in that case. I don't listen to Danzig and cringe and go like, "Oh my god, he's gonna blow his vocal cords." Like the man's, you know, seventy-five years old or whatever the hell it is, um, and he hasn't done it yet. Yeah. That being said, listening to this album makes me question how his vocal folds are doing. Well, yeah, the the the, the, the man does now kind of constantly sound like he needs a glass of water. Like I constantly want to <laughs> hand him. I constantly want to right. hand him a bottle of water and say, "All right, Danzig, take a sip. You need you need a I sip." I do here. wonder, however, on this album, how much of that was him emulating Elvis, mm-hmm. which is another thing that I kind of hate. Honestly, I hate 
I hate the over exaggeration of Elvis's weird singing mannerisms because with with very few exceptions, people always over exaggerate it. Now, I, in all fairness, I will say there are recordings of Elvis where I'm pretty sure he was drunk and slurring his words all through. His Christmas album is one of the most hilarious things I've ever heard. I like it, but it's not actually good. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put myself out here and say I think this is uh, just Danzig just singing because I think, um, I think years of various kinds of abuse are catching up to him at this point. I don't. I I think he's one of those people who claims to have never like done drugs, but I I would argue that with him. Um. Oh, okay. You know yeah. what I mean, and yep. and regardless of regardless of any of that, the man is sixty two, and I don't think he has treated his voice kindly for his entire career. No. Well, um, again, so like you okay, can hear you can hear in like Misfits and and Salwin, like he's done just some stuff that like probably is not doing him kind in his later years. No, 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 no. Um, so again, just real quick, even if you have the best vocal technique possible, singing isn't actually good for you. Yeah. Any type of singing is effectively going to do some damage over, over decades and decades and decades of touring on it. I mean, you figure like even, even, like musical theater or, or opera, those are, yes, they are putting in long, crazy hours, and I'm certainly not saying they are less talented or less deserving than, like, a metal musician. But there is a difference in how the performance pans out. If you are an opera singer and you are doing a two-hour performance, you are not singing for two hours. Right. If you are a metal musician and you are screaming for two hours in a two-hour performance, you are screaming for two hours. And I, I'm going to give him credit. Um, he still sounds relatively good live the last time I heard him. Um, yeah. I mean, but... just again, I, I, yeah, his, I'm going to assume his voice issues on this album are a mixture of things, but, like, I'm not going to blame his technique mm-hmm. for it. Now, because... It any of this kind of singing is going to hurt your voice over the many decades he's been doing this. Like what the misfits formed in like the mid seventies. Like, yeah, he's been doing this for a hot minute. Yeah. I mean, and, and like to be real kind of on the forefront of American punk. So, Oh yeah. I mean, well, like I said, like they were, I mean, they were one of the earlier, like the, the quote unquote hardcore punk bands. Yeah. They were definitely there. They just, as far as that style, time, place, genre goes, they're not one of the ones I particularly cared for. Back from, for the record, for anyone who doesn't know, I know this sounds like really crazy, coming from the person who made Chris listen to an opera, um, I'm super into punk rock. Oh, yeah. And I think a lot of people people get really weirded out by that when they find out that, like, I used to wear a, I'm a whore for cheap sex backpack. And okay, so they formed in '77. That would have been like near the that beginning, was, right? It was the beginning of punk. I mean, yeah. we're talking the '70s was when all of the original, you know, the Ramones, the Clash, the Sex Pistols, like that's when the world started. Um, excuse me, so you're like late '70s was the emergence of you know the the more hardcore guys, like the minor threats of this world, kind of. So the thing that I that I want to give him credit for though is that. Um, in my personal opinion, and I'm pulling from memory here, 
He sounds better than he did on his last cover album, which actually I do think he sounded fucking awful on. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. that's actually kind of... Oh, yeah, this is weird. Okay. So this sounds... Uh, I'm trying to think of, like, how to explain this, like, to, to people who don't. Like, I'm not going to try and use, like, the technical terms here. This has almost, like, a yawning quality to his voice. Like, it's very, like... Imagine if you were yawning and you kind of feel the vo- your voice resonating, like, at the back, like, right where your neck meets your chin kind of thing. Yeah. It sounds like it's resonating back there. He sounds like he's yawning. Yeah, he just kind of sounds like tired and done, doesn't he? He does. And he does. And that's actually very sad. And I will say that this Sings Elvis album is, at least for the most part, significantly better than that sound. Yeah, yeah. And he, I mean, it's a different style of crooning, but he at least, he sounds in the ballpark of where I would expect him to be. He sounds like he needs some water, but he doesn't sound... Like, like he, he yeah. fucking swing and a miss like, like the, uh, yeah. the, the previous album did. All right. So now that we've talked about dancing for, you know, forever and didn't actually even touch on this album. Let's talk about the album for a minute here. Okay. Um, this, this, it's literally just called sings Elvis. So it's just a bunch of songs that were made famous or at least performed by Elvis Presley. Um, Danzig's voice aside, again, there are some moments where it sounds like he's trying to do too, like a bad Elvis impersonation. The song that really bothers me before I get into anything else is the song Love Me, mm-hmm. which is legitimately one of my favorite Elvis songs. So wait, wait, I want to be clear. You listened through this whole thing and didn't like put on like one or two tracks and then get pissed off and turn it off. Oh no, I've listened to this whole album a couple of times. Oh, holy and shit. And I have also then listened to almost every one of these songs back to back to the Elvis recording. Oh, uh, see, that's the thing. I didn't really want to compare it because I knew I was going to prefer the Elvis version. I, I, wanted, I was comparing it for other things that I'm going to get into in just a second, actually. Okay. That was more like, I was looking at, like, recording stuff. Okay. Um, I wasn't comparing the vocals. I know I'm going to like Elvis better for the most part. He, it seemed, like, it seemed like he part, stayed true to a lot of the original recording techniques. Yes. It, which, yeah, which I want to get to, which is actually, like, super cool to me. Um, but the song Love Me is one of the ones that Elvis, like, I think, like, Elvis impersonators kind of make fun of. They really exaggerate it. Elvis does do his goofy, half-slurring thing. So the song opens up with the lines, treat me like a fool, treat me mean and cruel. And I'm pretty sure Elvis actually pronounces all of those words. Like, he enunciates mostly well. But it's in that typical Elvis, like, kind of swagger, you know, whatever. That half-drunken sound that he kind of always had. The problem is, impersonators love to do this song because it's so easy to ignore the actual words. And just kind of go, You know, and that's what Danzig does in this, and it bothers me so much. I don't think he says any of the first line, of the, like, of the words in the first line. Treat me, me, 
he just kind of mumbles through the melody, and I hate it. If you're going to make fun of Elvis's, like, goofy singing, I don't think this is the right song to do it on, and I don't know why people pick on it. So I just had to get that out of there. I get so bothered by it. That's fine. So, okay, legitimately, though, about this album, um, Danzig's, Danzig entirely aside, this is actually kind of a really cool recreation of especially like the more rockabilly songs yeah so okay he he said that this was a passion project and i think the track list kind of shows that because it he didn't go for the hits no i was gonna say there aren't other than i mean other than a couple that i know were like big songs there were a couple that i thought were just like what wait like really like you like fever yeah i realize fever is a popular song but like when most people think of the song fever Elvis is not the person they're thinking of. Well, and I think he said... Elvis I, big one. I could be wrong. I think he said he recorded, like, 20 songs for this, and he's making a bunch of them, like, B-sides and stuff. Like, this was something that he wanted to do. Uh, but I, th- it, I think there was, you know, the element of, you know, people always kind of going, ha-ha, when are you going to do an Elvis album? And he just sort of said, well, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to fucking do it. Oh, and it's done! For the, again, it's like done really well. I mean, just every, I mean, like it, this literally sounds like to me what I imagine if you took the musicians that worked with Elvis, like if you took Scotty Moore, who was one of Elvis's guitar players through his career, and brought him into the 2010s, 2020, put him in a studio. This is, I think, what it would sound like. Well, how would you feel if I told you that Danzig played every instrument on this album? Legitimately, yeah. That's super cool, actually. <laughs> the, the, this this is this is truly. I think he might have had a drummer. He might have had a drummer, but other than that, everything on this album is Danzig. It's actually super interesting because this really does sound. I mean, I love like the effects on the instruments. It has that same. It it's if you took the effects but had like modern. I mean, obviously, it's almost like modern equipment. So it's it has the quality that's definitely missing in recordings from like the forties, fifties, and sixties, and whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but it it definitely has the right sound. Like obviously, this is coming from someone who is a fan of this music. Yes, uh, this isn't. Even though I know people have been making the dancing just sounds like an evil Elvis, you know, joke for however many decades. Uh, this is obviously not done just to cash in on a joke. This is obviously like, oh no no. I like this. I like these mu- this music. I like these songs. I know these songs. I'll have to find it. There is there is an interview where he talks about about not only the fact that he played all of the instruments, but he talks about um his his love of Elvis and and uh all of the other things that like went into deciding the track list and all of the and the even the idea to do the album. He he is very clearly an Elvis fan. Oh, oh, definitely. I just, I don't know, like, I really, I like, I, I listened to this a few times, and I, I just, I kind of can't get over how, I don't know how I want to say this. <sighs> okay, we're gonna, we're gonna use the throwback metal comparison again. We're gonna take bands like Wolf and whatever. Mm-hmm. There's two ways of doing that. There's one side where you literally get all the vintage equipment and you record in a vintage studio and you lack the modern quality from doing it for the sake of getting the exact sound. Then there's the school of thought where you go, no, we're going to emulate that sound 
but with all of the modern advantages. And this sounds like recreating that sound that Elvis had, especially on the rockabilly tunes. Yeah. This sounds like trying to do a better version. Like, we're going to take these ideas, but I don't need to use these this this really crappy, you know, tape recorder. I can use modern equipment, and it's going to sound pristine. You're actually going to hear all of the nuances of what is being done here. Um, it's it's like it's super cool. I really love this. I'm gonna I'm gonna give you the final the final track listing, according to okay, cool. Metal Archives, or the final band listing. Um, Glenn Danzig vocals, bass, guitars, drums. Tommy Victor additional guitars. Joey Castillo drums. Track eight. That's actually really cool. Yeah, that's I think one of the things that's unappreciated about Danzig is that um, he is actually very good, like as a musician. If you listen to him talk, he actually um, when you go back and listen to those Misfit songs, apparently a lot of times he threw out the band's tracks and re-recorded them when they weren't around. I I believe I remember reading that before actually, and and I. And, I, I'm aware that the man is like a a competent musician. Yeah, like I, I get. It. And with a lot of Danzig stuff, when when he brings musicians in to play on the album, a lot of times the stuff is written and they kind of can do their thing on the solos, but he doesn't he doesn't like them to add to the composition very much. So most of the time, when you're listening to Danzig, you're listening to Danzig's brainchild. Interesting. Interesting. Now, if only I didn't hate his voice so much. Yeah. Well, at least you can appreciate, uh, at least walk away with this with maybe a little bit more appreciation for that aspect. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, I mean, now, for the record, I'm not going to go back and listen to this album. Yeah. Any any more than I already have. Uh, because in pretty much every respect, I would rather listen to Elvis. Even though there, are, I mean, there are some of these songs aren't. I mean, some of the songs are definitely not like recreations of the original. They're definitely like a reimagining, which is which is really cool. But there's nothing on here that's like, oh no, this is definitely better than the original. Like that's not a thing. Yeah. I prefer originals 100. But this is a very cool passion project. So if you are a diehard fan of either Elvis or Danzig, I think this is an interesting thing to listen to yeah because he doesn't do i don't know if you've ever heard it he doesn't do what he did on his old trouble cover which was make it a very danzig version of trouble Um, right. Okay. I'll send that to you maybe later. And then also there's, uh, there's the classic him covering blue Christmas for 30 seconds with the misfits. Yeah, exactly. I don't know if you've ever heard that one. I have not. They, that they turn it into out. straight punk. It's kind of fun. I've heard Um, 
Okay, I'm going to give this um, a way better than Jerry Only's attempt at a Danzig tribute out of 10. <laughs> Alright, that sounds fine to me, I guess. I guess I can take that. <laughs> Alright, so we, we made it through yet another week. Alright, since since you got to since you got to rest through most of this in a guided meditative state, why don't you why don't you take us out this week? Why don't I take us out this week? Hey, why don't you since I brought us in, why yeah. don't you take us out? Can I, can I just take myself out after having to sit through your guided meditation? How's that for taking us out? Yes, yeah, I guess that's fine. What a dickish of you. <laughs> Chris, can't I just say like I think we're finally done? Oh, thank God.